0: I don't have to tell you that the holidays are a hectic time during which I often find myself getting a little sluggish in the afternoons. Someone recommended a product called Noon Brew, and it has made a world of difference. Noon Brew is a 100% plant based superfood organic tea that gives me a calm energy, boosts immunity, and aids in digestion and gut health. Chuck full of antioxidants, I only wish I had discovered this product sooner. If you want a more healthful way to keep up with life over the next few weeks, use the following code to save 15% off your first order of Noon Brew products. Just go to noonbrew.co forward slash Tommy Henry. The link is also in the show's notes. Are you good on staying awake but struggle with falling asleep? Check out Moon Brew, their nighttime tea, which combines magnesium, superfoods, and adaptogens to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up feeling refreshed. Once again, to save 15% on your first order, just go to noonbrew.co forward slash Tommy Henry and give your body what it needs during the chaotic holiday season. And now... For those of you listeners with Christmas trees, where did you get yours? In the corner of a parking lot? Did you go to a Christmas tree farm and cut on your own? Is it a fake tree? In the late 1800s and early 1900s, thousands of Chicagoans would head to the Clark Street dock to buy their Christmas trees directly off a ship. That is, until a fateful November in 1912. This is the story of Captain Santa and the Christmas tree ship, I'm Tommy Henry, and this is the Chicago History Podcast. This episode's subject was suggested by listener Liz. Thanks, Liz. As always, if you have a topic you'd like me to explore, please send me an email. That email address is listed in the show's notes or at the end of the episode. Before we get started, one account I read of the story behind today's episode includes the line, What happened to the Christmas tree ship has been told many times and varies with the telling. For you valued listeners, I want you to know I pour through many, many accounts of a story and try to get the facts wherever possible. According to the 1870 census records, Herman Schunemann was born in 1865, one of six children growing up in a predominantly German community in a town then called Anapi, now known as Algoma in Wisconsin, close to the shores of Lake Michigan, about 220 miles north of downtown Chicago. His oldest brother, August, was born 12 years earlier in 1853. With the need for workers on ships in Lake Michigan, August was the first in the family to take up life on the waters. A little background on sailing and industry on Lake Michigan. In 1868, there were reportedly 1,800 sailing vessels on the lake. The most prevalent sail-powered boat on Lake Michigan was the schooner, built to haul heavy loads and maneuverable enough to get in and out of shallow harbors. As there was high demand for building materials in growing cities such as Chicago, the principal cargo for most schooners on Lake Michigan at that time was lumber. Also in 1868, according to a blurb in the Buffalo Morning Express on Wednesday, August 19th, the three-mast, fore-and-aft-rigged Rouse-Simmons was to be launched that afternoon from the shipyard of Messrs. Allen, McClellan, and Company, with an overall length of 127 feet, breadth of beam 27 feet 6 inches, and 8 foot 1 inch depth of hold, weighing about 220 tons. According to this article, the cost of the new vessel fully completed would be in the neighborhood of $17,000, With inflation, that's about $311,000, which quite frankly seems low. The Rouse-Simmons owners were Royal B. Towsley, cool name, and Captain Alfred Ackerman of Kenosha, Wisconsin. The Simmons was designed for the lumber trade between Manistique in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and Chicago. The Rouse-Simmons was named after a well-known Kenosha merchant who invested in the ship. Fun fact, Rouse Simmons' brother, Zalman Simmons, started a company in Kenosha in the late 1800s that is still going today. The Simmons Bedding Company, makers of the Simmons mattress. By the late 1800s and early 1900s, the popular German tradition of decorating an evergreen tree to celebrate the holidays in the home was widely practiced, and with the growing German population in Chicago, demand for Christmas trees was high. To satisfy this demand, up to two dozen schooners would make late-season runs from northern Michigan with thousands of Christmas trees destined for busy Chicago markets. While August was the first Schooneman brother to take to the lakes and work to bring Christmas trees down to Chicago from northern Michigan as early as 1876, younger brother Herman was not far behind. By 1890, Herman Schooneman was living in Chicago as a local merchant and lake captain, and in 1891, married a German-born woman named Barbara Schindel. Their daughter Elsie was born in January of 1892, followed by twins Hazel and Pearl in October of 1898. The Schunemans were also members of a church that was known at that time as the German United Evangelical Lutheran St. Paul's Congregation at LaSalle and Ohio Street. Sadly, one month after the birth of the twins in 1898, tragedy struck when the S. Thal, captained by Herman Schooneman's oldest brother, August, sank in a storm off the shores of Glencoe, Illinois, while transporting a load of Christmas trees to Chicago. There were no survivors. Herman Schooneman was determined to continue the tradition of transporting trees to Chicago, According to the National Archives research by Glenn Longacre, at some stage of Herman Schunemann's long career as a late season tree captain, he was given the title of Captain Santa. The affectionate nickname was bestowed by Chicago's local newspapers and by the city's grateful residents. Schunemann's profits from selling Christmas trees had never made the family wealthy, but his reputation for generosity was well established, and he delighted in presenting trees to many of the city's needy residents. While at the dock at Clark Street, the Christmas tree ship would be decorated with lights, and families could come aboard and pick out an inexpensive tree, usually for anywhere between 50 cents and a dollar. That's roughly $14 to $30 in today's money. I feel like I've seen trees that charge that much per foot these days. Herman Schooneman even hung a sign on the southwest corner of Clark Street at the river that read, The Christmas Tree Ship, My Prices Are the Lowest, H. Schooneman. By cutting out the retail middlemen and the additional costs of transporting the trees from the dock to merchants around the city, Schooneman could make a decent profit from a successful holiday run. At the end of the sales period, He would often give away any remaining trees to those who were less fortunate. As it was often the case with merchant sailors, Schooneman was not able to buy a ship outright, but by 1910 he was able to purchase shares in the Rouse-Simmons, which by 1912 grew to one-eighth's interest in the ship. By 1912, the Rouse-Simmons had been in operation for 44 years and was worked hard in those 44 years, Many ships of that age were no longer in use, having been scrapped, but the owners were determined that the ship had a bit more life in her. On November 12, 1912, with the weather beginning to change for the worse, the Rouse Simmons set out one last time from Thompson Harbor near Manistique in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, The cargo hold and deck were loaded with up to 5,000 Christmas trees. Some reports claim the trees were piled eight feet high and that it looked like a floating forest. The number of men on board has never been definitively settled, but it was likely 17, including Captain Shuneman, and may have been as many as 23. The next day, at approximately 2.50 p.m., Saturday, November 23, 1912, rescuers at the Kewanee, Wisconsin, life-saving station spotted an unknown ship with its flag flying at half-mast, signaling distress, according to source materials. Because the Kewanee station was without its gas-powered lifeboat, staff there called the Two Rivers Station, just south of them, the crew of Two Rivers launched their powered boat to the spot where they thought they'd intersect with the Christmas tree ship, but found nothing. The Rouse Simmons had vanished. Back in Chicago, Barbara Schooneman and her three daughters were a little concerned when the Rouse Simmons did not arrive in the Chicago harbor on schedule, as it was not uncommon for a schooner to pull into a safe harbor to wait out a storm and then arrive at its destination days later. They remained optimistic. When more days passed without any word, the family began to accept their worst fears had become a reality and that Herman Schunemann would not be coming home. The Schunemann brothers, first August, then Herman, had been bringing trees to Chicago for more than 35 years when the Rouse Simmons was lost. Less than two weeks later, on December 5th of 1912, fishermen on Lake Michigan found their nets entangled with spruce treetops. Eight days later, someone on the beach in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, claimed to have picked up a bottle in which there was a message that read, Friday. Everybody, goodbye, I guess we're all through. Sea washed over our deck load Thursday. During the night, the small boat was washed over. Leaking bad. Ingevald and Steve fell overboard Thursday. God help us. It was signed Herman Schunemann. Steve Nelson and Ingvald Nylons, also a cool name, were both part of Schuneman's crew. The authenticity of this letter was called into question as it was never shown to Schuneman's widow to verify the handwriting as the supposed finder demanded $500 for it. That's about $13,400 today. On December 11, 1912, less than three weeks after her father went missing on Lake Michigan, it was reported in the Inter Ocean newspaper in Chicago that eldest daughter Elsie Schooneman, just 20 years old, stepped forward to say she would reimburse any debts incurred by the loss of the ship. She thanked everyone for their solicitations on her behalf, but asked for those concerned to forget her and her troubles and instead Look to the families of the crew that went down with the ship. Those families also lost their breadwinners. "Quote. Look them up. They may be in need." She said, "I'm all right. I can fight my way out some way." "End quote." The article went on to note the losses were around five thousand dollars, about one hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars in today's money. November 22nd, 1913, one year after the disappearance of the Ralph Simmons, a golden haired girl, that's how she was described, went to the offices of the Chicago Tribune newspaper and gave the following to a reporter with a request for it to be printed in the paper. Uncertain is the life of those who go down to the sea in ships, of the many brave men who spend their lives on the sea. There are some who sail away from port never to be heard from by their dear ones. Such and one was our beloved husband and father who, together with 14 men under his command, lost his life a year ago today when his ship, the Rouse Simmons, consisted of Christmas trees being brought to Chicago to bring Yuletide cheer to thousands of children. In a similar way, our husband and father spent his life in doing what he could to further the happiness of others. In reverence, honor, and love do we today pay tribute to his memory and to that of the brave men who met death with him. The golden-haired girl told the reporter, quote, I am Elsie Schooneman, the eldest of the three children. We are taking up father's work just where he left off. There will be another Christmas ship in Chicago this year. Mother is now up in northern Michigan superintending the cutting of the Christmas trees. Referred to in the December 19, 1913 story in the Leader Telegram newspaper out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, as Mrs. Herman Schooneman, the widowed Barbara Schuneman rented the schooner Taylor and stocked it with Christmas trees she brought down from the north on freight cars. Her daughter Elsie was on hand to continue the tradition of bringing trees to Chicagoans in time for Christmas. By the early 1920s, improvements to the railroad system and interstate highways became a more efficient alternative to moving trees by wooden sailing vessels, and the practice of bringing goods by boat became a thing of the past. In April of 1924, more than 11 years after the loss of those men on the Rouse Simmons, the crew of a fishing boat called Reindeer, working a short distance off the Two Rivers, Wisconsin shore, discovered something unexpected. After pulling up their fishing nets and dumping the nets' contents, a billfold was found, one that belonged to Captain Santa Herman Shuneman. According to the article in the April 5, 1924 Kenosha News, this billfold, described in other reports as a purse, contained news clippings, cards, and expense memos from Captain Shuneman. The billfold was said to be well preserved as it was wrapped in a waterproof oilskin. And secured with a heavy band. By the way, later reports refer to this as Schunemann's wallet. It is more likely it was more of a satchel, like one Indiana Jones carries. December of 1934. Those walking past a tiny store at 1641 North LaSalle Street, about where today stands a BP gas station, may have noticed a sign obscured by Christmas trees. A sign that read, Captain and Mrs. H. Schooneman's Daughters. Although Herman Schooneman's widow Barbara died two years earlier, Their daughters, Mrs. Elsie Roberts and twin sisters Mrs. Pearl Elling and Mrs. Hazel Groneman, all of 158 Eugenie Street, less than a block from the shop, were carrying on the tradition of the Christmas tree business. According to the article, in the December 13, 1934 Chicago Tribune, Elsie and Pearl handled things at the shop, including making balsam wreaths, while Sister Hazel, was a teacher at Graham Stewart Elementary School. Fun fact, Graham Stewart School in the Uptown neighborhood remained a school until 2013 when it was closed due to low enrollment. It was converted into luxury apartments and is now referred to as Stewart School Lofts. Helping the women with customers was a man named Big Bill Sullivan, the only member of Captain Shuneman's crew who was not aboard the ship during the trip to Chicago. According to Sullivan, quote, "I went up with the crew, but when it came time to come back with the cargo of 15,000 trees, the lake was so stormy. I simply had a hunch, that's all. It looked bad, so I told the captain I would come back on the train. I did." Three days later, the butcher boy, another boat, came in with the news that the Rouse-Simmons had gone down with all on board. I was afraid almost to tell Mrs. Shuneman, but I got the courage to go around. They lived just back of the store on Clark Street. When Elsie, who was a little girl then, saw me, she backed away in fright, as if I were a ghost. They had heard the news, and I was reported drowned with the rest. I can't tell whether Sullivan misspoke or whether he was misquoted with the 15,000 trees thing, but most historians and experts agree the number of trees on the boat was somewhere between 3,000 and 5,000. In the two years since her mother's death, Elsie had been the one to go to northern Michigan to supervise the cutting of the trees, taking great care in selecting the best ones. Quote, Few realize the hardships necessary to furnish Chicago with its Christmas trees, she said. First there were two weeks of rain, then two and a half days of steady snow. Some of the trees were brought back with snow packed in their branches, end quote. According to sources I found, Herman's widow, then their daughters, continued the tradition supplying Christmas trees to Chicago for another 25 years after the loss of the Ralph Simmons. By 1940, the family business and the Christmas ship It faded into legend. Over the years, lore surrounding the disappearance of the Rouse Simmons grew larger, with some even claiming to have spotted the Rouse Simmons appearing on the lake on dark, foggy nights. Visitors to the gravesite of Herman Schunemann's widow Barbara in Chicago's Acacia Park Cemetery on Irving Park Road in Norwich, just west of the city limits, have even claimed that there is a faint scent of evergreens in the air, although none are planted nearby. Little was mentioned about the Rouse Simmons for many years, until October of 1971, when a diver named Gordon Kent Belrichard who a few years before discovered the wreckage of a steamer called Vernon that sank off two rivers, Wisconsin, in October of 1877, stepped forward with some big news. Mel Richard, along with diver hobbyist John R. Steele, who also worked as board chairman of the First National Bank in suburban Waukegan, Illinois, discovered the Rouse Simmons in 180 feet of water about six miles northeast of Raleigh Point in Manitowoc County, Wisconsin. In 2006, a group of research divers with Keith Maverden an underwater archaeologist for the Wisconsin Historical Society, surveyed the wreckage of the Rouse Simmons. Based on their findings, it appears the ship began taking on water, possibly because the area between the boards had not been properly caulked. The direction the ship was facing when it went down was north-northwest, not south toward Chicago, which means the crew of the Rouse Simmons' may have been attempting to get to safety on shore in Wisconsin. The survey team also found evidence of a heaved deck, which may have been caused by the failure of the wooden schooner's deck fasteners. With all the weight up front, with as many as 5,000 trees and the water flowing into the hull, the boat appears to have pitched forward as it went down, driving the bow headfirst into the lake's bottom, throwing all the rigging forward and breaking the masts. No bodies have ever been recovered. An anchor from the Rouse Simmons greets visitors to the Milwaukee Yacht Club in Milwaukee, and in 2006, a historical marker for the Christmas Tree Ship was erected in Thompson, Michigan, near the site of the Rouse Simmons final launch spot. There have been numerous books, plays, documentaries, and even a musical based on Captain Santa and the Christmas Tree Ship. In late November of this year, the U.S. Coast Guard Cutter Mackinac loaded approximately 1,200 Christmas trees as they readied to bring them to Chicago, which has become a tradition for the Coast Guard. Over the last 20 years, the Cutter Mackinac and its predecessor of the same name have delivered more than 25,000 Christmas trees to deserving Chicago families. I can't help but thank Herman Schuneman, his wife Barbara, and their daughters Elsie, Hazel, and Pearl, and all their descendants would be proud the mission of Captain Santa lives on in 2020. Thank you for listening to today's episode about Captain Santa and the Christmas tree ship. As always, I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions about anything covered today. Anything to add or have a different topic you think might be a good fit for a future episode of the Chicago History Podcast? I can be reached by email at chicagohistorypod at gmail.com. I will have plenty of pictures and news clippings related to the story on Instagram and on Facebook. Give us a follow and check it out. Thanks, as always, to John K. Schneider for creating the Chicago History Podcast logo and the art used on the social media pages. He can be found at Angel Eyes art, JKS on Instagram or via email at angeleyesartjks at gmail.com. If you would, the next time someone asks you if you have any podcast suggestions, please mention the Chicago History Podcast. We would love to reach new listeners and fans of Chicago history. Get out and explore when possible, learn more about whatever city you live in, and stay safe.